0: chapter fourteen of miss philura's wedding gown by florence morse kingsley this librivox recording is in the public domain miss philura never forgot that particular saturday the one just before her marriage the reverend silas pettibone for on that day several of god's purposes which had long persisted in the bud suddenly unfolded before the little lady's astonished eyes the day began early long before the light in fact, for the house must be swept and dusted and scrubbed and polished as never before in honor of the wedding which was to take place under its roof that day. To think of dear Gregory, she mused, and that lovely Genevieve, how happy they will be! And Cousin Caroline and Mr. Van Duser. she had never ventured to cousin that awful personage, they had not appeared to be at all angry they were coming to the wedding. They would dine with her. Never in her wildest dreams could she have thought of anything so surprising. At six-thirty, as she carefully wiped down the attic stairs, one could never tell where guests might wish to go, her mind reverted for a fleeting instant to the white wedding garment of her imaginings. It had not emerged from the encircling good and Miss Philura's eyes wore a wondering, troubled expression. Could it be possible that she had allowed fleshly and carnal desires to carry her away? The Apostle Paul certainly mentions such sins. The lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the pride of life. She had deliberately avoided certain passages of the Pauline epistles in her scripture reading of late. How she secretly wondered could the Apostle Paul understand a woman's heart and a woman's desires? He had refused marriage though undeniably he had boasted that he might marry if he wanted to. And he had supposed the world was coming to an end in his day. It had not come to an end in the Pauline Epoch, for here was Miss Philura painstakingly removing imaginary dust from the attic stairs and thinking about the white dress which remained inexorably hid from her eyes. Maybe it was Genevieve's dress I was thinking about all the time, she told herself with a faint renunciatory sigh i'd rather she have it if there's only one dress there i shan't mind wearing the black and purple brocade perhaps it will be more suitable she presently forgot all about the apostle paul as remotely related to wedding dresses in the fervor of her labors at eight o'clock she had worked her way through the upstairs bedrooms and was just beginning the searching quest for dust along the edges of the front stair carpet When she heard a loud imperative knock at the back door it would be the milkman she concluded with the half pint of milk which today must be increased to a quart in view of the guests she had intrepidly undertaken to entertain she hastily opened the door to confront the butter woman this ain't my regular day i know apologized hulda as she deliberately stepped in and deposited a basket on the table (laughs) think si Maybe she could use an extra fowl, seeing as t'was her last Saturday at home. So I just jumped in my wagon and come down the hill." Miss Philura's face was glorified with surprised color. Did you know... had you heard I was going to have a wedding here today? She asked. A wedding? The butter woman's broad smile suddenly faded. Well, I thought... didn't you tell me you was going to be married Thanksgiving Day? You said so. Oh, I am to be married Thanksgiving Day. This is my cousin's wedding, and so unexpected, and his father and mother coming from Boston, and I invited them to dinner. And Malvina told me last night Genevieve's mother is coming too. Hm. Got anybody to help you? Inquired Hulda briskly. I should think you'd need somebody to take a hold. Well, Malvina is going to do what she can. But of course she's busy with Genevieve and... The butter woman removed her blanket shawl. Well, here I be, stout and willing. Just tell me what and I'll whirl in and do it. You look all beat out already and I don't believe you've put on an ounce of fat since I was here last. Land! You remind me of a hen I had once. I couldn't no more fatten her up than I could flesh up the wind always on the go. But I fixed her shut her up in a coop where there wasn't nothing else to take up her mind. You ought to have seen her eat. (laughs) The butter woman unrolled a gingham apron and tied it about her substantial waist. I kind of thought I could find something to do today, she observed complacently. I get lonesome up to my house long about this time of the year and I admire to help you out if you say so. How'd you like a chicken pie for dinner? You bet I can make a good un. Miss Philura breathed a deep sigh of relief. The central dish of that particular dinner had lain heavily upon her soul, since she had so rashly proffered her hospitality. Chicken pie with plenty of good rich cream gravy, mashed potatoes, and boiled onions. I fetched a few thinking maybe you could use em. And what for dessert, eh? I prepared sponge cake and lemon jelly yesterday, twittered Miss Philura. I thought and I'll whip up a pint of cream. That'll go all right. Now, I guess I'll put chicken over a gentle simmer-like while I scrub up. But your horse? Oh, he's blanketed and sound asleep on two legs already. I got to run out though and fetch in something from the wagon something was a flat, oblong parcel wrapped in newspaper, which Hulda brought in under her apron and deposited on the chair in the corner of the kitchen. I don't want you should look at it till after I'm gone, she said, turning her broad back on Miss Philura and speaking through the sacrificial smoke of the singeing chicken. If I ain't done right, you can let me know most any time, and there ain't no harm done. Any fleeting curiosity which Miss Philura might properly have experienced was speedily swept away by the onrushing flood of events. At ten o'clock came in young Gregory Van Duser to unfold to Miss Philura his plan for renting her cottage. Don't tell me you've disposed of it already, he begged. Genevieve has set her heart on living here. Miss Philura gazed at him incredulously. Living here, she echoed, You can't mean that you would think of... Why not? He urged. I've always liked it since... since I had that bully little supper with you. Why didn't you tell me straight off that you knew my darling girl? There was a shadow of reproach in his honest eyes. I was so taken by surprise, murmured Miss Philura with a propitiatory smile. And your dear mother couldn't think what my duty was just at first, you know. Then Mr. Pettibone came in, and you... I thought I should like to ask his advice in so serious a matter. Young Gregory smiled upon her almost pityingly. So you fancied you would take sides with mother, eh? Oh No, my dear, surely not. I only... And what did the minister say? He said at once. I had no right to keep Genevieve from you. He thought I should have told you. Ah, Bully for Silas, cried Gregory irreverently. I'll go to church from now on with the regularity of a haloed saint. You'll see. Miss Philura wiped her eyes. I am so glad, she said quite unaffectedly. But the house, may we have it? Just as it is, please? Miss Philura hesitated. I hadn't thought about renting it, she said. Of course, I have lived here all my life, and it is a very well-built house, but it wants a few repairs, I dare say. Oh, yes, you'd have to be very careful about emptying the pans on the attic floor every time it rained. There are four of them, and the oilcloth round the chimney has to be wiped up every day when there's snow on the roof. Besides, well he suggested, hopefully. I guess we could cope with the roof in one way or another. What else? Miss Philura shook her head. I'm so used to living here, she said gently. But I'm afraid you wouldn't know how to shut the side door at night. You have to lift it just a little on the hinges before you lock it. Then there's the, the pantry window. It has to be stuffed with paper in very cold weather, because it's a little loose on one side.' Mm, all right i guess we could get along with the pantry window he said confidently is it a go cousin miss philura's blue eyes wore an introspective look i don't believe you could manage the broken water pipe at the back door the way i do she said i have to be very careful with pails keeping them emptied you know I remember one time I was in Boston over three nights, and Malvina Bennett, who had promised to attend to it in case of rain, quite forgot. And when I arrived, there was a foot of water in the cellar. One could have a new pipe, offered Gregory. You wouldn't mind, I suppose? I hadn't thought of that. But repairs have been quite out of the question, you know. And one can manage quite nicely if accustomed to a house. Will you trust us to live in it if we promise to take the best kind of care of everything? Give you a lease with everything down in black and white. Rent payable in advance twice a year. Oh, My dear, I couldn't think of asking rent of one of my own relatives and Cousin Caroline always the soul of kindness. If you and Genevieve could be happy here, and it's really a very good house, very well built and so comfortable. I shall be only too glad to have you here.' Gregory Van Duser shook his head decidedly. "'Couldn't think of it on those terms, Cousin Filiora. Now look here. We've got to rent some house, and we can't afford to pay much. So why not this one? You've got a jolly little garden and a hen house.' "'I have no chickens,' she interrupted plaintively. "'And the windows are quite destroyed, I fear.' I was so sure you'd say yes that I brought the lease. We want to come back to a home, Genevieve and I. Won't you look at it, please, and sign right here?" Miss Philura gazed distractedly at the legal-looking document he spread before her. Then, all in a flutter, she reached for her pen. But, he expostulated, you haven't even looked at it. Never sign your name to anything you don't read carefully first. It was a tremulous little signature, she affixed, after five minutes given to diligent study of the document. Are you satisfied that we aren't doing you? He asked judiciously. We want everything shipshape shape and uh, legal, you know. With that, he took a roll of bills from his pocket and laid it on the table. Just six months' rent. Please receipt for it, cousin. And he shoved a form across the table with a strictly business air. There, now we've got a roof over our heads, hurray! And he seized the dazed little lady and whirled her about in a mad dance of triumph. We'll take care of everything, repair when necessary, and pay it regular. If we don't, you can evict us. See the terms of the lease. Was his parting word as he hurried away. Why, oh! murmured Miss Feliora with dazzled eyes as she counted the bills. Then she hugged them to her breast in a rapture of gratitude. And to think it had never occurred to me I could rent my house for so much money! The encircling good, she concluded, was filled with kind thoughts, traveling from heart to heart, and flowering in a beautiful and unexpected way. The rest of that surprising day, Was like its beginning at eleven came a great hamper from the local florist just a few dozen roses ma'am explained the man who brought it and a bit of green for the mantles and such and i'm to fix them if you please at a quarter to twelve arrived mr and mrs j mortimer van duser from boston in their limousine which appeared taxed to its utmost capacity by the boxes and bundles which the footman brought into the house A few wedding gifts for dear Gregory and uh, Genevieve, explained Mrs. Van Duser graciously, though it was evident that the name of her daughter-in-law-to-be came hard. And Mr. Van Duser thought, as your own wedding was so near, we might bring our gifts to you. There was no time for the busy little hostess to take a single peep into the boxes marked with her own name, for the minister was already coming up the walk and not ten minutes behind him came gregory van duzer with the sweetest girl in the world wrapped in a great furred coat against the cold miss philura caught herself holding her breath with painful intensity as she opened the hospitable old door hers no longer to the young couple and it must be owned that even the puissant mrs van Duser, momentarily shrank from the imminent meeting with the girl whom she had last seen standing proud and pale in the shabby front room of the shabby house in east boston the girl had won and mrs van duser couldn't help stiffening a little after her old awe-inspiring fashion when she greeted genevieve amid the pink roses and trailing greenery which had transformed miss philura's little parlor into a veritable bridal bar but Mr. J. Mortimer Van Duser, Miss Philura glowed with shame at the sight of the grey cat placidly stroking his whiskers by the fire. How could she have called him Mortimer in a spirit of sinful reprisal? This was a new species of Van Duser, new at least to Miss Philura. This was the John Van Duser who had triumphantly wooed and won Carrie Peabody long ago and afterwards everything else in sight worth having. Few people knew him now. Even his wife had half forgotten that such a genial, tactful, altogether agreeable person existed. It was all over quickly, even the dinner, at which Miss Philura found herself entertaining the whole company. ''Don't you worry a mite!'' was the butterwoman's exhortation. ''I've got plenty for all comers, and that there young fella that come with the ice cream and things is going to wait on table. He says he's used to doing it and he certainly does take a halt good." It was all a part of the dream. And by this time Miss Philura had given herself without reserve to the sweeping current of pleasant surprises which appeared to flow out of the invisible, filling all the meagre channels of her life to overflowing. At four o'clock the butter woman was pinning her heavy shawl about her. Well, I guess I'll be going along, she said. You must be about beat out with all the doings, but want that girl a pitter her a-standin' up to be married. I peeked in the door and i seen it all. And the old folks, they was looking at both of them. I had to laugh at that big upstandin' lady. She didn't want to cry, but she couldn't no more help it than nothin'. Well, I washed up everything, oh, but maybe I ain't put things in their right places. You can do that when you get rested. No, I'm a going along. But Miss Philura had seized both the brown hands in her own. Dear Hulda, she said, I couldn't have done it alone. I didn't know they were all going to stay. I hadn't dishes enough, nor spoons and forks. Where did you get those pretty sprigged plates? Oh, them. Uh, oh, The young feller from Boston fetched em. He was a real clever chap. and He said my chicken pie and mashed potatoes went ahead of everything he ever tasted. His name was Tom. The butter woman opened the door suddenly. I'm glad I come, she said in a curiously smothered voice. I wouldn't have missed it. And if you don't want what's in that box, I'll take it away next time I come. Good-bye, you know." Miss Philura heaved a long sigh of mingled relief and weariness when she found herself once more alone in the little house. There was a scent of roses in the air, and the glamour of romance and happiness still lingered about the quiet rooms once so sombre and desolate. And then remembering the butter-woman's words, she lifted the oblong parcel which had lain all day on a chair in the kitchen and carried it to the window where the red light of the westering sun streamed in. A stout string secured the newspaper wrappings. And to this was pinned a scrap of paper, on which Hulda had written in her cramped handwriting. Miss ma'am, once I was going to be married, it was to be on Thanksgiving Day, but he got drowned at sea and never came back. So I kept the dress all these years tom bought it for me in london if you wear it i'll be happy miss philura lifted the lid of shining dark wood all set with buds and leaves of of mother-of-pearl and the imperishable odor of roses long dead floated out to mingle with the fragrance of the bridal blooms beneath the wrappings of silken tissue lay something softly white like the petals of chrysanthemums Lapping over a heart of gold, Miss Philura touched it with tremulous fingers. Then she took it from the box, and the rich creamy satin flowed all about her to the floor. And so Malvina Bennett came upon her unaware when she quietly opened the door. I just run over to began Miss Bennett, then she stopped short with uplifted hands. Moy, my. You're Goods is come at last, ain't it? And just in the nick of time... Miss Philura gazed at her old friend through a glorified mist of tears. She was thinking, though she did not tell Malvina so, that her bridal dress was truly a holy garment, since it had been the gift of a pure affection cherished long, with love and tears, and at last bestowed wholeheartedly upon herself. Malvina would have been sure to find an omen of ill clinging to the gift of the long-dead bridegroom. But then, Malvina hated to see the moon over her left shoulder and attributed her chronic rheumatism to a careless observance of the weighty saying, See a pin and pick it up, all the day you'll have good luck. See a pin and leave it lay, bad luck'll follow you all the day. Oh, it's the handsomest thing I ever seen in all my life declared miss bennett quite oblivious of the fact that philura rice heard not a word of her approving comments i'll make it up into a perfectly plain princess it don't need a mite of trimmin end of chapter fourteen